Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on February the 1st, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank with your Wednesday podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. They're online at ffbt.com. Coming up, C.J. Miller on a bill to repeal DNR floodplain requirements. We'll have a planting season primer for you focused on the right hybrids and tar spot prevention. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has beautiful weather for us, but still cold. And the ag markets yesterday mixed. Eric Pfeiffer checks in with the market review on the Hat Morning Podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> To agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. (laughs) Listen now on all platforms. How one of your state lawmakers is looking to clear up confusion on Indiana's floodplain maps and preparing now to prevent tar spot this growing season. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Well, your home and property may or may not be sitting in a floodplain, depending on whether you're looking at a DNR map or a FEMA map. And that's why one state senator is looking to change the law to get rid of the confusion. Hopefully we can resolve what some people would say would be overreach of DNR. And that's Indiana State Senator and Senate Ag Chair Jean Lysing talking about the legislation she's co-written concerning Indiana's floodplain maps. There's one set from FEMA and another set of recently revised maps from the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. Many people in Indiana are finding themselves in a state floodplain and they've never been in a floodplain before. For the most part, they won't know it until they either apply for a building permit or they attempt to sell their property. So it's a really big issue because potentially it's devaluing some people's properties. Lysing says lawmakers were not notified of the DNR's new maps, which now supersede FEMA's maps as part of legislation that was passed and went into effect last year. And that's caused some complaints about DNR's floodplain maps. I would say more stringent than the federal FEMA maps. They would say more protective, okay, to give them a fair shake. I think because they didn't go through the regular process of getting those maps in statute that we needed to remove it for now and get everybody to talk about this. And if more rural properties are listed in floodplains, that could require more Hoosiers to have to pay more for additional floodplain insurance in order to get a mortgage or a property loan. Lysing's bill would revert back to FEMA's maps for guidance on Indiana's floodplain areas. It's not that we don't want to protect property, because we do. 
but we got to make sure that government isn't too heavy-handed, and that's what that's all about. Lysing's bill now heads to the full Senate for consideration. You can read the bill at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, tar spot was not the issue last year that it had become during previous growing seasons for corn producers, but should you still have a tar spot prevention plan anyway? Andy Eubank explores that question. Jason Harmon, DeKalb Asgro technical agronomist, says this time last year he was having a lot of tar spot prevention discussions with growers to help prevent the 2021 type of outbreak. And then lo and behold, it was extremely dry in June and we did not have that infection as much. But I will tell you, in Iowa and Minnesota, where they did have moisture in June, guess what? Tar spot was a big issue for them. So to me, the big qualifier understanding is after we get planted, we start getting quite a bit of moisture. I say those frog drowners, those four inch rains in the in June timeframe heading into July, we we know that not or the pathogen is here. We know that it can survive the winters. Harmon says be prepared and proactive. Earlier applications of fungicides, higher use rates, using good fungicides such as Delaro are going to be all key factors to allow tar spot not to be an issue like we saw in twenty one. We didn't see it last year, so I'm a little worried growers are just going to kind of shrug it off. But I'm going to say, remember, the Alamo is tar spot. It is something we need to be proactive against and not reactive because it can come and get us real quick. Part of the planning right now should include targeting the correct hybrids for the acres where you can get the most return on investment. We know that things can change. That's why it's nice to have those broad acre products that we have in the cow portfolio. But there are some that I would tell you to plant first, you know, the emergence, you know, the ratings that we do on emergence would allow us to say, if we run into adversity after you get it into the soil, this one's going to fight through it faster and better than others in the lineup that you have for your farm. So if you if you kind of have that list working with your, your sales team and your agronomist, this is probably one of the most important things we can do in the time we have till spring. While it is only February 1st, that spring planting urge is coming to life. And Harmon says many fields might be getting in shape for early spring planting. I would say we're finally getting to the point where we are saturated, uh, but the subsurface was really dry. So it took us a long time to get to this point. Just judging by all the growers I talked to that have done tile work, you know, it's, it's still pretty dry when we get down there towards the mains. And I think you look at the rivers, the Wabash is just now starting to get up there to a level that we haven't seen all summer. So I think we're, we're finally getting the moisture that we need to have, no doubt. And we could use more. But the fact that we're just now getting there tells me that if it doesn't add much more snow cover coming into springtime, you know, the opportunity to be able to get out on these fields sooner than we've been in the years past is definitely a possibility. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, though, says it does not appear right now that early spring planting is likely but that outlook can change once we get closer. I'm Andy Eubank. And I'm C.J. Miller. Who's your ag today? Indiana's most listened to farm radio network. Your operating loan for your farm needs to cover all that could be. That's why Farm Credit Mid-America offers flexible financing options to take care of the day-to-day so you can free up capital to maximize opportunities for your farm. Use our online banking or mobile app to conveniently check funds so you always know how much cash you have on hand and can plan for what's ahead. To find an operating loan that works for you, visit e-farmcredit.com. Subject to credit approval, additional terms and conditions may apply. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity lender. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. As we take a look at the setup, we've got a beautiful finish to the week here in all categories except for temperatures. 
yeah, it's a little bit cold out there. But overall, when you look at what we've done for winter so far and what we have coming, this is not bad. Yes, it's cold, but it isn't really super cold. Some of you are probably going to be concerned about whether or not we get the ground to freeze up again. Uh, I will say that is a concern in some parts of the state. We are cold, below normal temperatures here for the next uh, three to four days. Today, tomorrow, Friday. But then we start to see temperature moderation as we go into the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, doing all of it with no precipitation. And we're picking up some sunshine as well. Remember, that's one of the biggest things that will aid on temperatures staying warmer. We are increasing sun angle every day. So the effects of the sun being out are going to help our temperatures more and more. But still below normal easily the next three days moderating temperatures over the weekend at this point we get into early next week on monday we see partly sunny skies temperatures that continuing to moderate a little bit that's ahead of a frontal boundary that shows up here on tuesday this front starts with rain maybe ends with a little bit of snow but not much liquid equivalent precipitation half an inch or less right now 70 percent of the state picks up that moisture we wake up on wednesday morning everything's done and out but we're also cooler Cool Canadian air coming back in for Wednesday and Thursday of next week. High pressure also settles in for Friday, but one of the things we're seeing on Friday is a significant warm-up that's happening over the western half of the country. That points toward getting here later the 12th into the 13th, and that could be a very warm week indeed over the entirety of the Hoosier State. So yeah, temperature roller coaster, we've got that. And like I said, any long-term winter-like weather, Right now, it doesn't look like it's coming together. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Corn and soybeans finished mixed. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and this is Hoosier Ag Today's Tuesday Farm Market Review. It's brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct. Visit them in the North Wing at the National Farm Machinery Show here in a couple of weeks. They'll even give you a price list. Value, knowledge, performance, it's in their genetics. Final numbers from Tuesday Trade coming in just moments. First, let's check in for market analysis. We'll head to Chicago now. Tom Fritz is there with EFG Group. And Tom, on Tuesday, we thought that we might be seeing a bit of a turnaround Tuesday. Early on, the overnight session showed some profit-taking. But in the end, kind of right back to where we started for the most part, with corn a bit lower, soybeans front months a bit higher, is it all about this South American weather? We're seeing too much moisture in Brazil, too little in Argentina, and they're just kind of fighting with each other? Well, I think, uh, you know, that's a good portion of our trade uh, today. Eric, additionally, it's month-end. Month-end always brings us uh, some shenanigans. And historically, uh, March contracts are, what, in the top three of open interest throughout the year. So, you know, given it's... Number one, it's month end. Big boy index fund rolling will start middle of next week. A lot of times you'll have the minor uh, index funds, the smaller ones. They'll roll ahead of the big boys so as not to get caught, you know, from uh, their movements. So, you know, okay. So, you know, looking at corn, front month, it's the weakest. Well, prior to the last couple of days, the front month was the firmest. Has anything changed? No. I don't think so. The Argentine corn crop remains threatened. You look at, okay, summer months of corn are getting some strength because it looks like the big producing state down in Brazil, Mato Grosso, 
is going to have late planted corn, and that pushes it back into uh, the season where it tends to be uh, warmer and drier. So we're getting a little bit of a premium there. Uh, the potential for the escalation between Russia and Ukraine has not gone away. Uh, the stocks to usage ratio for our corn balance sheets remains tight. So as far as I'm concerned, this is just basically month-end uh, shenanigans. You know, I just can't find anything that's changed. Looking at the wheat market, okay, more month-end here, but I also think the potential for an escalation between Russia and Ukraine is a supporting issue. Uh, yesterday afternoon, the USDA gave us some ratings on selected winter wheat states. And, you know, it was interesting to note that on a general basis, the good areas got a little bit better, but the poor areas got even more worse. So it's kind of like, what are you doing here? So, you know, I think in that regard, the wheat market is deserving of a little bit of, uh, you know, call it uh, weather premium, if you will, along with you know, the possibility that the uh, Russian-Ukraine situation could escalate. Uh, month end, well, you know, the wheat market's been firm all along, but the firmness has been led by Kansas City. Well, Kansas City took a back seat to Chicago today. Uh, soft wheat uh, conditions, for the most part, are pretty decent. So, you know, once again, I'm viewing, you know, some of what we saw in the wheat market as, uh, you know, month-end considerations. Soybeans, uh, you know, okay, uh, the harvest in uh, the big state of Mato Grosso, Brazil, it's behind and it's going to stay behind. Uh, the uh, state ag agency within the state of Mato Grosso came out and said over the next 30 days, this area could see 8 to 11 inches of rain if not more. So, okay, that leaves our export window uh, open a little bit further, even though, you know, there's a big crop out there, but, you know, we haven't gone far enough yet to say, well, the, the quality is going to just be awful. You know, we're not there yet. So, but, you know, talk to me in the next 30 days. So I think, uh, you know, a little bit of profit taking set in uh, in the soybean market. That's why old crop beans are only two and three quarters higher. May beans only three quarters higher. And then July forward, a little bit easier. Speaking of easier, new crop leads the way down. Uh, can't help but notice, you know, now's the time frame I start watching the uh, corn soybean ratio. And it sits right at about 2.2. And that means, as far as I'm concerned, more soybeans, less corn. So, you know, going back to uh, new crop corn, it's, it's trying to stand in. But, uh, you know, things can change. And February is the month for uh, setting uh, new crop insurance prices. So it's something that we have to pay attention to. But once again, you know, month-end considerations, soybean meal has been the leader of the products. Well, soybean meal took a backseat to soybean oil today. Once again, I think that's just month-end profit-taking. Now, this is my opinion. Given the programs that Argentina had back in September and December to originate soybean movement has left that country almost void of soybeans. You go look at our export market for soybean meal. It continues to be extremely strong. Even the domestic basis for soybean meal continues to be strong. So today, 
price action. Somebody called me. Oh, is this a blow-off top and meal? Like, what are you talking about? It's just an inside day of yesterday. And once again, month-end consideration. So once again, I have to ask myself, has anything changed here? No, nothing has changed. Uh, harvest in Brazil is going to be slow, at least in the state of Mato Grosso. Uh, saw some big rain in the uh, state to south, Mato Grosso do Sol. Uh, but further south, okay, you've got Rio Grande do Sol. It's dry, but there is some rain in the forecast. Paraná has just started its harvest. So bottom line is, I'm wondering if we are going to actually see that harvest crunch coming out of Brazil. And right now, if you put a gun to my head and say, are we going to see the harvest crunch? I'm going to say, no, we're not. And uh, with that said, I, I go look at my uh, export basis for soybeans. It's stable. Uh, it's got a little bit of a firm bias to it. Well, now's the time frame where it should be softening. So uh, people are asking, where's China? I have no clue where China is. Uh, I know China has made a deal with uh, Brazil for corn. And I think that's one reason why our corn export market languishes a little bit. But uh, I do think China, you know, they just got back from holiday. I do expect to see some uh, sale announcements later this week. Uh, unless China is really not reopening. But, uh, you know, you look at all these other different markets that rely on Chinese demand, and they're saying it's going to come. Maybe not all at once, but it's going to come. So bottom line, I think today was just some uh, month-end shenanigans. I think our grain markets have some pretty decent underlying support going forward. Again, that's Tom Fritz, EFG Group in Chicago. March corn on Tuesday down four, six seventy nine and three quarters. May down three and three quarters, six seventy seven and a half. D's corn up a penny, five ninety and three quarters. Soybeans, as Tom mentioned, up two and three quarters on the March, fifteen thirty eight, fifteen thirty and a quarter on the May, up three quarters. And Novi beans down four and a half, thirteen sixty three. March wheat gained eight and three quarters, seven sixty one and a quarter. In livestock, April live cattle down thirty two cents, one sixty three oh two. And April lean hogs down a dime to eighty six forty two. That's the Tuesday Farm Market Review, and that does it for the Wednesday Morning Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to First Farmers Bank and Trust for bringing you today's podcast. Be sure to follow the markets throughout the day and find other farm news at HoosierAgToday.com. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. 